All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. This is Root Solution, learning how to control the basics. This is Kai. And this is Noah. And it is the season. It's the season. Tis the season. It gets kind of cold. It uh, gets kind of sad. And uh, we want to talk about it. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. So yeah. basically what happened was Kai and I were talking. And we were talking about our, our uh, relentless attack on anxiety and how we talked about it for a thousand podcasts. Mm-hmm. And we realized that we didn't finish anxiety. We didn't go to the last phase of anxiety, which is depression. Mm-hmm. So we figured with it being a gloomy day here in California, one of the five we have. And um, with it, the season that we're in, uh, it seems to be a lot of people struggle with being alone and and just being kind of sad in general. So we thought it'd be a good time to talk about depression and what depression is and, you know, kind of give you guys some frameworks as to understanding depression. Um, So here we are talking depression. Here we are. Yeah. Uh, There was a a really good um, quote. I think it was by Jim Carrey. Have you seen that one on like Instagram or something? It was basically like depression is... um, your character not um is it your really, character? matching your character i did see that one it doesn't match like you, what you it, want right like we gotta start like before we quote these things we need to like get <laughs> these quotes so the, the quote you're talking about is uh jim carrey references how your life doesn't match your character and so like you're living essentially this like facade of a world that like doesn't suit you or fit you um yeah Yeah, that's what that's what i said just like that (laughs) oh yeah Um, the best best storytelling so you know storytelling so yeah and to to kai's point um or to to jim carrey's point i think that is a good representation um i guess i can get moderately as if everyone doesn't already know everything about me but um you know i went a whole life of not really ever like feeling um quote unquote depressed and knowing knowing what i know about depression now um i can honestly say that that everybody at some point gets depressed and we've all felt some degree of it uh, but for me i was in a really dark place um and i had felt depression to the point where it was debilitating where it was affecting me as a parent and as a spouse and as an employee and everything else um and I, that quote really like kind of epitomizes where I was at. I was doing a job that I hated in a world that I didn't facilitate me and, and didn't work for me. And um, I was just genuinely unhappy. And it, it took me to this place where like, I just felt like I couldn't do anything. I felt like I was drowning. Um, and so for me, uh, I had to change my world, which I did, um, which isn't all that always that easy for people. And some of it is just quantifying um, one, how to change your world and two, do you need to change your world or want to change your world? Is it as simple as like, I can change my job or is it as simple as like, well, if I get my finances in order, does that make things easier? Um, an example, I had a conversation here recently with somebody and um, she was in a tough spot financially. So she had, she had unfortunately had a lot of debt she had accrued. And so it forced her to do this job. That was a really high paying, well, like a, a really great job actually, or she made a lot of money. Uh, she didn't hate the job, but she was forced to work a ton of overtime and things like that to just survive. Like, you know, and so when we were having a conversation about where she was, 
you know, we had evaluated a lot of her pain to figure out what was going on. And, and she had a lot of upper respiratory issues. She had a lot of like upregulated patterns that were really consistent. Um, but over in bi biomarkers read depression to me. And so we started talking about her circumstance and we went into kind of therapy mode a little bit. And one of the first things we found is that she can't change her life because she has this like financial burden over her head. So she's like, so what do I do? Like, it's not realistic for me to change my life. And honestly, I, I like my job. I just don't want to work so much overtime. And so I thought this was an interesting kind of framework and why I brought up talking about depression with Kai is, you know, her and I were talking and I realized she didn't need to change a lot of her life. She just needed to find some financial freedom. And I think finances are a big part of everybody's problems, right? Like we as human beings can't make a lot of decisions because frankly, our world in this capitalistic society is derived by money. So in my case, I quit a job that I loved to go work in mortgage, which I knew up front I didn't love, but I wanted to take care of my family. I wanted to earn six figures and do what I needed to do to take care of the people around me. And so what drove the decision was finances, not passion or joy or love, right? I think a lot of us are in that place. And so after having this conversation with this young lady, you know, I've provided some answers to her. I suggested maybe talking to some people that work in the financial world that could help her find some sort of financial solitude and like, you know, find some solutions to her financial problems that gave her some freedom to make better choices with work and things like that. But uh, the truth is, as a practitioner, like, she came to me for neck pain and I could have made her neck stop hurting, but she would have been stuck in the cycle of paying me forever because the truth of the matter is, is I wouldn't be able to get her out of pain because the stressors in her life were always just going to bring her back to pain. Right. And then ironically, I become part of the financial burden mm -hmm. because she has to pay me for health. Right. Yeah. Just, so if I'm going to do right by her, I'm going to find a way to help her solve her roots problem hey. and help her learn some financial basics um Man, give her some, give, right Woo, i'm pulling a kai um to just give her some to give her some financial freedom so um she made an appointment with a financial planner they're gonna go work some stuff out for her and give her some options that are gonna help give her some financial freedom um i'll continue to work on her neck but she's got to get the big looming issue out from over her head. Right. And so that made me start thinking about like, how do I quantify depression for people? Because the issue with depression is everybody assumes that if I want, unless I want to kill myself, I'm not depressed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like Kai, we both know that's not how it works. Depression yeah. has a sliding scale, just like anxiety does. Right. Some yeah. anxiety is good. Yeah. You could argue some depression might even be a little good, right? It is a function of the nervous system. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of depression is problematic. Sustained depression is problematic. Sustained anxiety is problematic, which we talked a lot about. But a little bit is okay, right? Yeah, I think it, it's a, you know, life is an ebb and flow, right? There can't be all good. There can't be all bad. There's got to be a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, you know, and, and I think that's where people get stuck, is that they have this frame of mind that's like, okay, I have to be happy all the time right. or I'm depressed and I can't get out of it. So I'm just going to live here. Right. So I think that, you know, for people to, to realize that it's, um, you know, just like with kind of everything, right? Like we don't stay the same weight all the time. We don't stay um, in this, hopefully you don't stay in the same job the whole time you're moving up or, you know, getting better at it. So 
you know, it's a forever changing thing. And the more that you can grasp that concept of, you know, like this is a season of, um, you know, a lot of financial stress, right. And like getting gifts and, um, you know, doing all that kind of stuff, traveling, all that, but it's also a time of, you know, happiness. You get to see family, you get to see, get, or open up gifts, you know, like, you know, spending time, quality time with people, like uh, positive social interaction. So there's like all of that mixed into it. But, you know, if you get into your feels of like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't have my significant other or, um, you know, maybe you don't have a big family and it's just uh, a smaller family, you can't make it out there, then it becomes a bigger issue. But it all comes back to, you know, like, what is it that you can control, right? right. Um, because circumstances happen all the time, right? And so I think, you know, like the, the bigger issues around like anxiety, depression, all these things is there's so many different factors that go into it that, you know, there's environmental, there's the uh, emotional piece of it, there's the psychological piece of it, um, you know, and uh, movement or lack thereof, right? Um, so I think that we need to get a better grasp of how we view what depression actually is, right? And, and like you said, it's a sliding scale, like, where am I on the sliding scale? this season right um and, and once you can kind of become self-aware of that then it becomes a little bit easier to find the solvency for it and you know not that it it means like okay well you just jump out of bed and say i'm, I'm not depressed and you just keep going along your day it's okay well well why am i depressed what, what's going on what's you know check in with yourself um and then you can start to uh find answers for yourself but I love that idea of perspective there, right? Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think, Kai, you, you always do a great job of bringing it to that, like, a, that emotional level. And, you know, you can't always change your life, right? Sometimes you do just have to, like, evaluate perspective and, like, find thankfulness and or be thankful for what you have. Um, I think that said, what I want to do is let's talk about what depression is, like, just in terms of, like, your human function the biological function of depression um all of you out there in podcast land if you guys want you can grab a piece of paper and pencil pause real quick i'm gonna give you a little like like i like verbal or a uh, visual idea here so we're gonna drive a draw a big backward c right and on this backward c on the very bottom left hand corner of the c right where that opening is you've got parasympathetic right and you've got all these good things that happen there and in parasympathetic you have a lowered heart rate, you have lower core body temperature, you have um, healing and, and all these good things happen, right? We've talked about that a lot. Go back to the podcast. About it. Now, when you move over across to the next bottom right corner of that, what you would have is you would have fight, right? And you'll notice as, as we tick up that C, there's kind of a, a curve there, right? So there's a lot of phases to fight. And fight can be as simple as like, I'm at work doing stuff. It can be I'm eating. It could be I'm in a literal fight, right? But once you cross over about the halfway point of the sea, you go up into flight, right? So, and flight again has large perspective to it, right? Something to understand is 
parasympathetic can be like, Hey, I'm having a positive social interaction sitting around the fire with my tribe. And then a bear comes. Right. And I, as a dad who wants to protect my tribe, step up and try to fight the bear. Right. I've got my spear and I'm poking the bear and I'm hitting him with my stick and I'm punching him and doing all my stuff. Right. And the bear just took it all and nothing happened. Right. Now I'm like, We've got to make a decision to protect my family. I'm going to grab my family. I'm going to throw them on my back. We're going to run, right? So the biological response is similar, right? Running is going to be far more problematic and traumatic for us than fighting, right? Eventually, though, we can only run for so far where we can't run anymore. So what's what's happened is we've come around the sea now to the top left corner of that sea. That's freeze, so in freeze, you have to understand there's still perspective of that, right? At the end of freeze, at the end of that sea is death. But in between that middle ground of the sea and around to the left, you've got phases of that. And that's the same as depression. Like that is depression, right? So the lowest phase of that is easy to get out of. And the deeper we get into that sea, the harder it is to get out of, right? Something to understand with depression and in freeze is the bear is behind me. I'm going to lay on the ground and I'm going to pretend to be dead in hopes that the bear just runs past me because I'm no longer edible, right? So if we draw a line down the middle of the sea, a vertical line, the left side of the sea, freeze and parasympathetic, are both going to have the same biological markers, meaning that we'll have lowered heart rate when we go to sleep, right? If we sleep well. But if we're sleeping bad, we can also have low heart rate. We can have a lower core body temperature. We can still have both those things with depression and with parasympathetic. So it becomes hard to evaluate because if I'm a practitioner and I'm asking somebody what their resting heart rate is, they might tell me it's 56, which is like, damn, that's pretty good. But that doesn't mean that they aren't having a, a response in terms of depression, right? So something to understand is as we move around the sea as well, the right side of that C is where anxiety lives. So anxiety lives in fight and flight, right? <clears throat> so what that means to you is that in order for you to become depressed, there has to be precursors. There is anxiety, right? And if you've listened to the anxiety podcast, remember anxiety is a surplus of energy in our body, right? It's a somatic error. It's I predicted something and the observation didn't match. I predicted I would like my job and I hate it. That makes me feel anxious. I predicted this date would be great and it sucked. It makes me internalize myself and wonder why the date was bad. People think that that's just like a weird byproduct of being a human. It's not, right? It's not like you're broken. It's literally your body has too much energy and doesn't know what to do with it. Our body is an energy predicting machine. It predicts what we need and it wants to give as much as we need, but not more or less. It doesn't want to work too hard and it doesn't work too little because once we have a surplus of energy, what do we do with it, right? Dump it. Dump it. So if we think about this wheel, we've been anxious for long periods of time with maybe little to no down regulation into that bottom left corner of the sea. And now we're depressed. Becoming out of depression becomes very difficult because what happens is our body has gotten to inactivity. So the literal definition of depression is inactivity. It's I don't want to do anything, right? So the reason I think this is so important 
is because I want people to start evaluating like what they're doing with their life. If you come home from a long day of work and you go and you sit in your room and you play video games all night, that is depression by definition. That is inactivity, right? If all day at work, I load myself up with upregulators, sympathetic fixes, caffeine, sugar, uh, alcohol, whatever you need to get through your day. And then at the end of that day, you go and you pass out, right? Or if you're in bed for 10 hours, right? You hear people say it a lot. I'm a person who needs 10 hours of sleep every night, right? What you have to understand is you're using the caffeine to, to create activity. So you're using the, the caffeine to go from the top left-hand corner of that C into fight or flight. So you're trying to find fight or flight to create activity in an environment you don't want to be in, right? Now, granted, listen, you have to do those things, right? Like we have to live our life. We have to make money. We have to wake up. We have to go to work. We have to take care of our kids. Like I'm not saying that those sympathetic fixes are a thing that are like an issue in survival, but we have to understand where we're at. And if we prospectively want to be better or we want to be happier, we want to be lose weight, we want to, uh, I mean, we can go on for days, just to have a better quality of life. We have to evaluate where we are so we know how to compensate and deal with it, right? Parenting depressed is borderline impossible. It's very difficult to be an active, coherent, emotionally attached, um, calm and patient person when you're depressed. And I think this is the struggle, right? Is a lot of us, especially people that are in my age bracket, <coughs> I'm 38, our parents came from the boomer eras where you were tough, right? You just shut up and you worked, right? A lot of those people were very unhappy. They were very emotionally unavailable and they struggled to find centers. So a lot of them had sympathetic fixes, whether it be um, pharmaceutical intervention or alcohol or cigarettes. Um, and we see that through sales of all those things, right? So the reason I present this information is one, so you have a, a framework to understand that whatever's happening to you isn't your fault. It's just a nervous system response. But two, and more importantly, by evaluating it, I think it makes it far easier for you to make a coherent decision on how to get out of that place. Right? That was a lot, Kai. I, was, I, I think that was beautifully said. Yeah? Yeah. I appreciate that. I know you had talked about, you had posted a study not that long ago that I thought was really interesting um regarding the kids in poor neighborhoods you want to tell me more about that yeah it's um kind of sad but you know it's you know you kind of almost expect it a little bit but basically the study said that and again i'm probably gonna butcher this but um <laughs> said that the that kids in poor neighborhoods or places where they don't have as much access to you know certain things um her negative talk like i forget how much more but it was like seven times more than kids that were in a more like affluent area or had more access to, to things which is crazy right and and when you think about that you know how many kids do you see that you know grow up in like the hood or projects or whatever and how much uh like they have a chip on their shoulder right like they they need to prove themselves to everybody right and and you hear a lot of times you know all the um not trying to single them out but like rappers that come from you know 
from the bottom, started from the bottom, now they're here. They got this chip on their shoulder. They got to prove themselves to everybody. And um, I think it's that's one of the, the biggest reasons why I think a lot of them have depression and anxiety and all these things because they just don't hear positive things. They can't utilize positivity in their life. They, they only use negativity as a tool that, you know, can push them, but go for it. So Kai, I pulled up the actual quote. It's from a book called Oceans Are Made. This guy, Kai is always so good. It's called, uh, the book is by Lisa Barrett. It's uh, How Emotions Are Made. Children in low-income homes hear 125,000 more words of discouragement than praise by the age of four. Children in higher-income homes hear 560,000 more words of praise than discouragement by the age of four. So to your point, I I think there's a couple things that come from this, and, and you kind of already, like, went over a little bit of it, right? One is the chip on the shoulder. Remember, guys, from an adolescent perspective, most of the established core of who you are as a human being is established and done by the time you're six. So by, at the age of four, in such a, uh, a valuable uh, growth phase as a human being, kids in low-income homes already are at such a disadvantage because they already assume the world is against them, right? higher-income <laughs> homes, these kids have, maybe even have a false sense of security and comfort, right? Because they're just told how special things are. You also have to take into consideration the parents, right? You have two parents who are in one environment are highly stressed out and are going to parent accordingly. And another environment have two parents that are not so stressed out and they're just kind of close to feeling, right? You also have to take into consideration what becomes available to these kids. I mean, babysitters, sports, extracurricular activities have gone for days. I think for me, what stands out is the financial piece of this has become a huge part of the struggle in the world we live in today. Finances dictate so much of what our worlds have become, right? In a world where our income discrepancy is pretty significant, and you can argue that there is no more middle class, more people fit on the top portion of what we just read off in that discouraging conversation, right? If you're a millennial who's struggling financially, you're going to have a really hard time finding positivity. And you may have been raised in an environment where you already didn't feel so comfortable. So you already have discouragement. And then you continue living a life that is discouraging. You either are working a job you don't want to work in, right? Or you're um, living a life you don't want to live, right? Not chasing or pursuing passion, not monetizing passion, right? We can go on for days. So I think my hope here is to one, help people understand that like one depression is part of life, right? We all get there. And two, and more importantly, there's a lot of pieces of life that are, that are not in our control that are going to dictate these things to Kai's point. Now, Kai, let's talk solutions a bit. Um, We always have, this, that, that same frame of that comes from that polyvagal theory, which is change your world, change your perspective, or change how you feel, right? Yeah. Feel is a long term, perspective is a short term. If um, your family is introducing a new person into it that's going to be around for a very long time, you're going to have to change how you feel, not perspective. 
right? Perspective is going to be like a short-term ideal where like I'm changing my perspective on the job that I currently have that I prospectively won't have long-term, right? Change my world to be just blow shit up and start over, right? Um, Kai, you always are so great with perspective and like having that idea of that, that attitude of gratitude, which I adore. Things you brought up here today. What are maybe some other solutions that are maybe available to you that we can expound on to help people, you know, find solvency for depression. Yeah. Um, You know, one of the big things that I have heard over the past, like maybe two, three, four years. um, And I think, you know, one of the biggest factors of of depression that happens is environment, right? Like we talked about with that study, your environment dictates a lot of how you deal with depression and how, much it can affect your depression. But, you know, one of the big things that I've heard, you know, for a while now is that you're the reflection of the five people you hang out with the most, right? So whether that's your family, mentors, professionals, um, or, or bad influence, right? Um, Me? Of course, my gosh. Um, So I think one of the biggest things you can do is just take a step back and look at who do I spend the most time with, right? And is spending time with them helping my depression or is it hurting my depression, right? And I think once you figure that out and you look at like all the people that you do hang around with um, and you find the people that are, you know, oh, they, they make me smile. They make, they bring me up. They want the best for me. I would hang out with those people more often than you do the people that maybe don't do that as much. Right. Um, and sometimes that's your family, right. Your family could be the ones telling you like, Oh, like you shouldn't do that. That's not, you know, it's not good for you. Um, or, you know, you have a brother or sister that, you know, does really well and they mock you or whatever it may be, you know, taking an inventory of, of who you're hanging out with, who you're around the most, um, will kind of tell you like why, almost why you're in that situation, right? Uh, that's why I surround myself with people like Noah who make me better um, and, you know, other people that are around me that, that can lift me up if I'm feeling down rather than, you know, push it further. So I think that's like a, a good place to start for people, um, you know, and, and it gets them to understand them a little bit more too right? I think we always preach self-awareness and this is part of it, right? Like if, if you're around people, if you want to make more money and you're around people that are making less than you hanging around the wrong people. Yeah. Right. If you, if you want to be uh, a better, you know, basketball player and you're hanging around baseball players, you're not going to get better. Right. So simple things that you can do just, take inventory who are the five people that I hang out with the most um and are they influencing me for better or for worse sure I think for me my big one and and always to be a little bit more um biologically driven I think is uh, start slow I I think when we start to look at the biological adaptation of what depression is depression is an activity right so if you think about if you think about your 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 body like a car, right? Um, we need some really high octane fuel to get us out of that inactivity and to activity. With anxiety, 
slow, steady state work is really beneficial because we have lots of energy to utilize and burn, right? We have too much excess energy that we need to get rid of. With depression, we need to kickstart energy. So we need to get our body to start thinking about how to create energy again. The way to do that is to shock it, much like you would do with like a dead battery. So short, aggressive movement patterns and workout patterns are really useful for that. So what you find is people that are depressed, especially people that are recovering drug addicts, um, find that they love CrossFit. Um, I used to own a CrossFit. I cannot tell you how many recovering addicts were in my gym. They were incredible. They added so much energy and life and ferocity and discipline. And um, it was really great, actually. Um, but what they really enjoyed and what they loved was high octane workouts, things that pushed them to the edge, things that like kept them on pace and things that were really aggressive. They didn't want to go for 800 meter runs. They didn't want to go do that long, slow thing. They wanted to do Fran. They wanted to work really, really hard for two minutes. And what you have to understand is these are people that struggle to control their nervous systems, right? Because they've used drugs for so long, their body no longer produces serotonin, oxytocin, things that they need to find happiness and find motivation. Well, aggressive workouts can facilitate that. Um, an aggressive high octane workout can kind of jumpstart your system to start producing, telling your brain to trigger the hormones that'll drive you to move forward. So uh, start slow, start short, but things like a quick, you know, 30 second sprint on a, on a bike or like a, a sprint outside or things along those lines, working your way up to about five, five minutes of work. Those are really good ways to start getting your body to get used to doing things to take and cross that into like life. You can also apply that to things like pick a task, a day to do, find something tangible, achievable, and that's repeatable. So every day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to walk my dog, right? These tasks create repetition, repetition you can build on, right? So if we consider our brain as a pattern machine, by starting to create patterns that involve movement, those are patterns that we can build off of, that we can grow and develop and expand into other things and skills. So if for two weeks, I walk the dog every morning when I wake up for five minutes, I can then turn that into 10 minutes. I can then turn that into 15 minutes. I can then turn that into a jog. I can then turn that into a sprint, right? Which then facilitates into working out and other things along those lines. So if you find yourself feeling inactive, find a solution that gives you an achievable movement, right? Yeah. And, and I just wanted to add to your point of the pattern. Um, our, our, our brain is very pattern-based um, and, and something else that can help people along with this, like, yes, getting your body moving, all that kind of stuff. Um, but also the thoughts in your head, right? right? So like a lot of people that have depression don't have a lot of self-esteem. They say right. things to themselves that's not good. So I would say to start slow and to change something, think of one thing that you tell yourself every day that is not beneficial to you, right? Like, oh, I'm so slow. I'm not, th I'm not smart. I'm, I can't do that. I can't do this. Take one of those and flip it and change it to something that's a little bit more progressive, right? right. Uh, I'm not going to say positive because what, you know, toxic positivity, whatever, but, um, but, but something that helps you move you forward, right? So if it's, I'm not smart enough, then change that to, you know what, I'm going to learn something new today, right? right? Um, if it's, oh, I, I'm too slow, say I get there when I get there. 
you know, just change it in a way that isn't going to, you know, degrade you. It's going to just move you forward. And you take one of those, you do that for consistently for, you know, however long that you need to. And then that starts to change your brain uh, to, uh, instead of saying these negative thoughts, now you're changing your brain to changing it into something that's a little bit more progressive for yourself. So I think that that all these things are great. We just need to start slow, start small, and then build upon it. And I think to your point about that, as we continue to build off each other, um, I, I think this idea also facilitates ta- uh, tool acquisition, right? Yes. And if you listen to our tools and trauma podcast, you'll see, you'll hear us talk quite a bit about this idea of tools, but a lot of the issues that we, that are, that are created by anxiety and depression are not having solutions to problems, right? So taking this all the way back to my patient that I'd spoke to, she has all this financial disarray, right? And I worked in finances for four years prior to getting to becoming a PT. And one of the things I'd recommended was bankruptcy. And she said, well, you know, there's this emotional attachment to like, this is an emotional piece to, to um, bankruptcy. And I struggle with this idea and it's failure and it's irresponsibility and it's financial irresponsibility. It's contributing to um, the American problem of overspending all these things. And all those things are incredibly valid, by the way, and things that need to be dealt with by professionals um, like therapists and things like that. But she didn't understand how accessible and how common bankruptcy was. And so one of my conversations with her was like debt consolidation and bankruptcy are options for you to help find ways, manageable ways to pay this money back. And so you have to take, to take into consideration because she doesn't have a great understanding of finance, she doesn't have the tools to solve her financial problem, but not having these tools to solve her financial problem, it's forcing her to work too much, driving exhaustion, right? Which then kicks her into a caffeine addiction, which then kicks her into, right? And they, like, we just continue to topple, right? <clears throat> but the root problem of her issue, hey, um, uh-huh. is that she doesn't have the tools to deal with the financial circumstances she's gotten into for whatever reason, right? And so these are the conversations we have to have with people. The more tools we can acquire, the less we're afraid to acquire new information and seek help from professionals the more likely we are to achieve these, to, to build out these tools and grow, right? And if we can continue to grow, evolve, change, adapt, and acquire tools, then as life comes to us, as, as um, trauma comes to us, we have solutions to the problems. Um, I think that to me is a big one. Utilize professionals, utilize the people around you to Kai's point, the five people that you love most, right? Or five people that, that are common or, or beneficial to you. If you want to make more money, hang around people that make money and look at the way they do things. If you want to be fitter, hang out with people that are fitter. If you want to learn about random facts about the human body, hang out with me, right? Like find people around you that you want to dad be jokes. right? And dad jokes, Kai's great with those. Uh, <laughs> Give Kai two drinks and they never stop. Um, <laughs> the the idea here, guys, is depression puts us in this place where we're just lost. We don't have anything left. We don't have anything to offer. The truth of the matter is you're still so whole and human and beautiful. And you still have this ability to utilize free will and become whoever you want to be. It's just motivation based. And so 
I think we can find solutions to these problems. I think there's people out there that can help you. So reach out to them. Um, and hopefully, I mean, hopefully this podcast can be a resource as well. Um, guys, I think that's all the time we have. I think we actually went over today, which was so great. Um, this was a jam packed one, a lot of information, but as always, thank you You guys have an incredible holiday season. Um, I think we'll see you guys next week still. Uh, but this is Noah at root.solution on basically every platform. Ayo. And this is Kai at Control the Basics. We'll see you guys on the flippity flap. Take care, guys. <laughs>